You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network, powered by Interstate Batteries. From your truck to your trail camera, Interstate Batteries has you covered. Visit your local Interstate Battery store today or online at interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. Welcome to the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast, brought to you by Exodus Trail Cameras, the number one podcast for bow hunting product information and hunting stories from across the nation. And now, here's your nine fingered host, Dan Johnson. Happy Black Friday, everybody. It's where people go crazy for deals. Yeah, I lost my mind there for a second. Hopefully everybody is having a good Black Friday, I guess, so far. But uh, hopefully, basically what you're doing is just sitting on a couch because I would rather get another finger cut off than go fight the crowds to go shopping in a mall or wait in line to get a toy or whatever. I'd rather give my kids an empty box than half the deal with the crowds at Black Friday. And plus, uh, I have a Thanksgiving on Friday, which means I will be consuming as much junk food and meat and potatoes as humanly possible. I have three Thanksgivings in two days, so uh, I'm going to need a wheelbarrow to get around uh, the rest of uh, the rest of the weekend, but Black Friday means one thing good for hunters. I tell you, there's a lot of companies that are offering Black Friday deals. Exodus Trail Cameras is one of them. Please go to to to, to excuse me ExodusOutdoorGear.com to take advantage of the Black Friday sale that they're throwing out on their new lift too. I think they regularly retail for what is it a hundred and no no 240 bucks you can get them for 170 bucks so that is a huge discount um and they're only doing a hundred of those now here's the deal if you are able to not be in that uh you know not take advantage of that first hundred you can also or you can use the discount code nine fingers uh for the um God, I'm mumbling all over, but for, for the, the Nine Finger Chronicles discount as well, and that gives you $20 off of your order, and that uh, discount code is Nine Fingers. That's the number nine followed by the word fingers. So go check out Exodus Trail Cameras and uh, be sure to take advantage of those Black Friday deals. I know Lone Wolf 
is having a Black Friday sale as well, and they're offering pretty much the same discount. So I tell you what, you're going to be getting the same. So go to LoneWolfHuntingProducts.com, enter the discount code. Oh, excuse me. Go to LoneWolfHuntingProducts.com slash nine fingers. That's the number nine followed by the word fingers, and you will be able to uh, sign up for a, a giveaway and uh, you're going to get a discount code and that discount code is 9FC50 and you'll be able to save $50 off of all orders of $200. So Lone Wolf Exodus, be sure to go take advantage of those. I think there's some other guys like uh, Deer Lab, maybe Wasp, maybe Ozonics, maybe are going to be putting out some uh, Black Friday specials as well. So take advantage of that. Okay, I'm butchering this <laughs> this introduction, but today we're going to be talking with a gentleman named T.W. Norman, and he is a preacher. And you think preachers only work on Sundays. That is a myth. They work every day. And uh, we talk about balancing work, family and life and a passion for bow hunting. That's the main theme of this podcast. We get into uh, how he was uh, introduced into hunting and whatnot and how he's introducing his three sons into hunting. We talk about how to balance that time away from the family, but still be able to take advantage of the passion that we call bow hunting. And uh, TW talks about that today. A really kick-ass podcast. Um, I think you guys are going to enjoy it. I know I enjoyed it. So uh, hopefully, if you are at a mall, you're listening to this, sitting in a waiting room. And uh, like my dad said, before I got married, I said, Dad, what's the trick to women? He says, just nod and smile. So she comes out of the dressing room with an outfit on and just smile at her and nod. That's the best advice I can give. Other than that, let's get right to it. T.W. Norman. All right. On the phone with me now for today's podcast is T.W. Norman. How you doing today, T.W.? Hey, Dan. I'm doing great, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. No problem. No problem. Now, today's podcast, we're going to talk about, you know, this is going to be a hunter, hunter profile podcast, and we're going to cover a whole bunch of different things uh, like we always do in, uh, in a hunter profile, but uh, you have three boys you're a father, you are a husband, and so you're busy just like the rest of us. So with, with all that said, what is it that you do for a living? Yeah, I am a, I'm a pastor of a church down in southern Illinois, in Harrisburg, Illinois. So that's my, that, that's my, my, my day-to-day and all-day and nighttime job, too, sometimes. Yeah, right. <laughs> it keeps me going. Right. You, I don't know if I ever told you, anybody, even the listeners of this, right? When I was in high school, in church, uh, me and a group of kids were in a in youth group. Uh-huh. And I was approached by members of the church to go and attend seminary school to become a preacher. Oh, yeah. That was, and that is a, that is a true story. And at the time, you know, you've probably heard me talk, uh, you know, like on the Wired to Hunt podcast or even on this podcast, sure. but 
I was in no shape to be doing anything oh. regarding being a preacher or anything like yeah. that. Yeah. Oh man. <laughs> so, so, uh, needless to say, I did not take that route, but, yeah. um, but just kind of a, a little funny background, but you know, from a preacher, everybody, you know, everybody thinks, okay, a preacher, man, they, they only got to work on Sundays. So that's not the case. So t- talk to us a little bit about what, what, a, what does a preacher actually do? Oh man. Well, man, it, it, it's, there's so much Dan of, uh, to, that actually goes into, um, being a pastor of a church, you know, and, and I, and, you know, I've been fortunate to, to be able to pastor a, a larger church, you know, it's where we're, you know, on any given Sunday, we'll have about 600 people at church. And, um, and so, you know, just the, the, the things that everyone sees you do, right. Or, you know, a lot of my week is studying sermon preparation and things like that. Uh, lots of visitation. So if people are in the hospital, I'm going to visit them in the hospital, uh, people, um, counseling, lots of counseling. People are having, um, issues with different things they'll call me we'll have we'll have time where people will be coming into my office and sit down um and then a lot of just um I, i'm very intentional about doing my very best to to spend time with, with especially guys of the church and just and be with them just and uh you know and, and I, i'm like the greatest opportunity i have every day man is to is is just to live my life revealing jesus i mean really and just the, the, the reality of him inside me and just you know doing my best to uh just to show people the reality of him in me. And, you know, just, and, and that's, and that's, it, it's a real privilege and it's an honor to do so, but man, there's taking phone calls in the middle of the night. <laughs> I mean, it's a, it's a nonstop thing. And then of course, you know, family involved in community events. And so man, there's a lot that goes into it. And sometimes I wish it was just a, a Sunday morning gig. <laughs> that's yeah. that, that gives me a lot more time to hunt, dude. That'd be awesome. <laughs> Say, uh, just a Sunday morning and then say, uh, you know, a prayer at the occasional potluck and uh, yeah, right. then you're good to go. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so with, with all that, you know, there's not, you, you don't really have a set. This is a weekend. I'm not working or, you know, you're, you're at the mercy of the church. So how, how difficult is it in your uh, profession to balance family, church, and then as a passionate hunter, you got to throw that in as well. Yeah, that has been a, and probably like all of us, it is a, it's, it's a balancing act that you, that time helps you figure out, right? Because whenever my wife and I first got married, um, probably, probably a lot like you and your wife, she, she, she had an idea of how much I loved the whitetail hunt, but then we got married and then it got real. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. what she thought was a hobby was like a, an obsession. And, and, you know, and so it was kind of one of those things, learning to balance hunting and life, you know, and I was a school teacher before, before I started pastoring and just learning to, to balance that without kids was one thing. And then we started having kids and, and I know you can attest to this. It seems like with every kid that we've had, my days in the tree have, have been less and less and less. <laughs> and, you know, and so now what I've learned, um, you know, and, and I, I was actually just talking about this a couple of days ago with one of my friends. Um, you know, whenever you're younger and you're in your hunting prowess and you're just going after it 
It doesn't matter what the weather is. It doesn't matter. You know, nothing matters. You just want to be out there. And, you know, you're just burning time in the sand when it's 85 degrees. You have a south wind and it's ridiculous. So now, you know, as, as you know, it's it's turned into where are my quality days versus my quantity days. And, you know, even with having three kids, my wife is, she's, she's very understanding or as understanding as a wife with three boys can be. (laughs) And, you know, and even last week there was a, we had a cool, a cool day. And she said, you know, you you should go hunting tonight. I said, excuse me. Are you really? (laughs) And she said, yeah, I go. So, you know, it's the, the balancing act is just trying to pick the very best days and, and just realizing sometimes that doesn't work, you know, and just getting out there when you can and, you know, not trying to be, a, not trying to be a, a jerk whenever I, I don't get out there. Right. <laughs> right. Or two. <laughs> so then when you have to pick the quality days, right. And let's say it is a, it's a warmer day, early season, and you really want to go out maybe because there's a little cold front coming through or, um, you know, and then you end up sacrificing. You say, you know what, maybe your wife isn't in the, uh, in the mood for you to go, or you say, you know what, I'm just going to spend some time with, with the boys today. Is there an understanding from your wife and maybe not necessarily your kids because they're somewhat young, but I have a feeling they understand because you're so passionate about it. Is there an understanding that when the rut comes, it's, it's time for business. That's exactly right. And so like, I, you know, I, I take my vacation, you know, from, from the church and, you know, I I let my other pastors on staff know when I'm going to be gone. And, you know, my wife, you know, I, and and I do just that. Like I, there's a lot of days that I'd like to go, that I don't go. And I just lovingly say, now remember this come November. And, and she kind of gives me a sideways smile and says, yeah, 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 I know. And so we, we, we do kind of have that understanding. Um, it doesn't mean it always works in my favor, but, but like I said, she's, she's, she's pretty amazing. So yeah. I can't complain too much. So what does, let's say that that first year when you had your third child, right? And yeah. uh, uh, how old was your first child when the rut hit that first year? Whenever I had all three. Yeah, when you had so okay. the how old was the youngest one that uh, first year when you when when the rut hit? So he was born in June. Okay. So uh, July, August, September, October, November. So he was six months. Yeah, four or five five months old. And okay. My my oldest, he's nine, so he would have been six, and my middle one, who is seven, would have been uh, four. And okay. yeah, so that, that first rut was six, four and five months. Okay. So how long did you leave to go hunt or maybe you were just hunting around home and, and were, were home every night, but was there, was there a point where you were actually gone a lot and kind of left your wife with three kids? <laughs> um, that year. So that was, that would have been the second year that we lived in Iowa. And before that, before we lived in Iowa, I, I would travel to Illinois and stay, you know, six or seven days and hunt. But this was my second year in Iowa. And living in Iowa, 
I no longer had it, had a need to travel anywhere else to go hunt. And right. so I, um, most of the evenings or most of the days, I, you know, I would go hunt in the morning and if I wasn't going to sit all day, I'd come home for lunch and then go back out, you know, around noon. Um, most, most of that time during those first, you know, the 10 days, the 5th through the 15th of November, most nights I was home, there was some property I had, um, that was about an hour and a half away. Um, a couple of, I, I stayed a couple of nights, uh, away from home, but most nights I would come home and, and be there to help through the night when she had, you know, our five month old. Gotcha. Okay. So my problem here this year is I just had a baby. So he's going to be in, he's only going to be six weeks old when I, when I go away. And although I live an hour away or from my hunt, my main hunting property, Mm -hmm. I'm still going to have to spend the night a couple, cause I'm, I'm not going to drive an hour back every night. I know a lot of guys do, but that just kills the bank account when it comes to, you know, gas. So I'm my, and plus my parents live down there. So I'm just going to stay with my parents. And so right now my wife is okay. You can go do it. This is your thing. You know, you gotta, you got some kind of business that's related around it. So go, go hunt. I'm, I'm curious how, how long that attitude will last (laughs) with three kids and no help, you know? So I'm, I'm crossing my fingers and I'm, I'm, I don't know if, I don't know what the over under is going to be for uh, that first, uh, that first text. And I think we've all got it that says, (laughs) when are you coming home? Yeah. And then you pretend that you didn't get it. And (laughs) (laughs) I've never done that. I I don't, you know, (laughs) uh, uh, but, do you have your fingers crossed? Cause I did it. No. I've done it before. And, it, and it's one of those things where you're like, Oh man, I was in a bottom. I didn't, I don't get any <laughs> service right. down there. Oh man. Would, would your, so, would your parents like to watch your older two while you were down uh, there? Your wife would just have your youngest. Well, my, my, my parents work. Well, my mom and stepdad at work. My dad's retired, but. Oh, gotcha. He, he, as much as he likes to take the kids and play with the kids, I don't think a week of that is in his, you know, that's not doable. But the other other thing is my daughter's in preschool. So she has to, you know, she has to go to, go to school four days a week. Mm -hmm. So, you know, plus my wife's going back to work here pretty soon once, uh, you know, so it's going to be really stressful for her, but I bought her tickets to Napa Valley. Uh, Yeah. She loves wine. Right. So I I bought her tickets to Napa Valley to hopefully even that out. So I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing because I don't, I hope I don't have to buy her tickets to Napa Valley every year. (laughs) Yeah. True story. So, but you did the right thing. That's right. The pot, buddy. You sweetened the pot. That's yeah. I can't cash in those brownie points, right? That's right. Absolutely. <laughs> well, let's uh, let's get into some deer hunting talk here. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about you know you're obviously a passionate a passionate uh, hunter. You 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 were born and raised in Missouri, right? Yes, correct. Okay, so talk to us a little bit about the early years. I mean, who who influenced you? Dads, uncles, brothers? Yeah. Yeah, my dad was my uh, my original outdoor influencer. Um, I and I, I my, my parents are awesome. They're um, have always been incredibly supportive of each other, and you know, and of us. My my brothers and I, 
Um, but I remember my dad, my dad was a, a wing, uh, a wing shooter. I mean, so he loved to dove hunt, loved to quail hunt. Um, and so growing up, we were, uh, you know, I remember going with my dad dove hunting when I was four years old. I shot my first dove when I was four and, um, you know, it was just, it was cool. And I just, I, I remember, I just loved to, to go sit by my dad while he'd shoot the birds and, and then I would be his dog. I'd run out there and <laughs> go and, you know, and you don't realize you're 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 working. You know, and the doves would come back, and I'd I'd be playing with the doves. You know, like they were toys, and, and I just loved it. And I just you know, and I've always loved being outside. Um, and so that's that's kind of where you know, just being that was my first hunting experience, and I always loved going with him. Um, and then my dad started deer hunting with my uncles. Uh, my uncle bought a farm, and so my dad um, would join them for deer camp and. And then my dad would go hunting, and, and I remember I, I didn't go with him for several years, but I was I would always be so excited when I'd see his headlights turn in the driveway because I wanted to see a deer in the back of the truck. It didn't matter right. if it was a buck, doe, or whatever. I mean, like, I mean, I, before I even gave him a hug, I would run and jump up on the back tire and look in the bed of the truck just to see if there was anything. And then when there was, my dad is the best storyteller in the world, and. So I could just sit down and listen to my dad, you know, re- relive the details of the hunt. And um, and so I guess that that's probably a reason why I enjoy podcasts and things like that so much is I just enjoy listening to stories. And um, so, yeah, so that's kind of where, where it spurred in me. And then I was a little older. I was a, a eighth grade whenever I actually started deer hunting for myself. So that was kind of the, the, the starting place for right. my, my passion for the outdoors. So your dad helped set the foundation. Um, you did you start off deer hunting with a gun? Yes, yeah, yeah. I started okay. rifle hunting uh, with with a with with an old actually eight seventy with my eight seventy. My dad said I had to use um, my uh, an eight seventy with slugs for two years before he'd, he'd get me a rifle, and so I, that's how I started. Was there a reason behind that? Just to make you a better shot, you know, using a like for me, you just said you just named some guns, and uh-huh. I'm so I'm so green to guns. I I don't even know what that means. Okay, sure, yeah. Um, so a, a Remington 870 is a, it's a it's a pump action shotgun, and so that's the um, that's the gun that he wanted me to start deer hunting with because in in Missouri, it's you you rifle hunt, and you know in yeah. Iowa and uh, in Illinois you can't use uh, rifles, but um, so he wanted me just to, for safety reasons, I think that was the biggest thing, you know, to, to, to have a gun that could, that could shoot, but wouldn't, wouldn't shoot for 300 yards on a straight line. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just to, to make sure that my parameters were narrowed, but still I was able to make the right decisions with the, with, with the weapon, with the gun while I was hunting. Yeah. Right. Okay. And then, uh, after that, you got into got into rifle when you were, I guess, a little bit more educated on the what a, what a gun can actually do and how to properly use it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, how old were you when you shot your first deer? I was. I had a, a couple of years of of misses. <laughs> my eighth grade year, my my freshman year of high school, um, had plenty of opportunities, but man, I just. I, I, I just, it was so much pressure. I felt so much pressure and <laughs> could not close the deal. And, uh, and so it was when I was a sophomore in high school, 
sitting in a an old old handmade tree stand you know planks nailed between two trees that were close together about nine feet off the ground and there were three three deer two does and a spike that came off the ridge and that spike the spike stopped at about 50 yards through the timber and i uh and i shot him and uh, that was my that was my first deer and it might as well have been a 170 because i went <laughs> and it was it was off so after i mean after after that you were hooked right totally i mean in all the way all yeah. the way right so so then you shot your first deer um, when you were a sophomore in high school. Mm-hmm. What what did the rest of high school look like for you? Because for me, I hunted, but I was not serious, right? Yeah. I had yeah. sports and student council and girls and you know like yeah. all that other all the other things that were in my at then were more important oh, totally. than, yeah, totally. than hunting. Yeah, I I was a I was a total weekend warrior deer hunter like like everyone else. I, I loved it I, I loved deer hunting but but just like you I mean I was uh, I played I, I played every sport available I and I played four sports a year football basketball baseball and I ran track and and football was my main focus I mean I I had big dreams and aspirations of uh, having a career in the NFL it ended up uh, you know I, I got I, I went to the University of Illinois on a to play football on a football scholarship and so so that was my that was my main focus. I mean, I love deer hunting, but football was really my my major my major focus. It wasn't until I got out of out of school and met my met my wife my soon to be wife, whenever or my my wife girlfriend golly I can't talk right now. <laughs> when I met my 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 wife in college, that I got uh, her dad was a big bow hunter, and that's really man whenever when it it just got me. It got me at that point. So, so you were in. Let's see. You you just got out of college, and and you met your wife, and her dad was a bow hunter, and yeah. so talk to me a little bit about about when, because you know you shot your first deer, you got obsessed, you know you, you were you were in love with it, but then you went to college and there was other priorities, you know, especially as a collegiate right. athlete. Yeah. You probably weren't doing a lot of hunting in the fall when you were playing football. No, I I would get if I was lucky, I'd get uh, if we had a if we had a buy um during deer season, I would be able to come home for a weekend to okay. uh to hunt and so it was. It was when I was 22. I had a. I had a, just a little backstory. I had a career-ending injury uh, when I was playing ball. So my my collegiate career got got shut off a little early. And I came. I came when I and I moved back to Missouri. And that's when I met my 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 future wife. Whenever I had come to college back in uh, Springfield, Missouri, and that's whenever I, I I met you know my father, my future father-in-law, and I was. To answer that question i was let's see 20 21 21 okay. i i started bow hunting okay so what was it about your father-in-law that you found so interesting i mean was it your curiosity that got you into bow hunting or was it your father-in-law going dude you need to bow hunt <laughs> it was his daughter <laughs> okay okay because i said okay if if I'm if 
if he's going to like me, because she had told me that he had never liked a boy that, that she had ever dated. I mean, he was the, <laughs> he was the, he, he was the dad and true story. If you knew my father-in-law, man, you, you, you would see it without a doubt. He was the dad when a guy would show up to, to, to see his daughter, like he'd open the door, he'd look at him, kind of shake his head and slam the door in his face. And I mean, <laughs> that's a true, true story. And so I was like, okay, I have to do whatever I can to make sure this guy likes me because I really like his daughter. And, um, and he, we, we just talked about hunting, you know, and I told him I like to rifle hunt and he was like, Hey, have you ever bow hunted? And I said, you know, I, I went out a couple of times whenever I was younger, never really got into it. And, um, and he said, well, if you want to go with me, you're welcome to. And I said, okay, here's an opportunity to bond. And, um, and I did. And man, I remember we were hunting around Kansas city and I remember he, he killed the deer with a bow that first morning that we went out and helping him drag that deer out. I remember thinking, I've got to do this because I want him to, I want him to think I'm the man for his daughter. <laughs> so it was a personal <laughs> challenge at that point to, to accomplish this goal of, of killing a deer and with my bow and, and I got it done and, and it sealed the deal. So, so yeah. you didn't even care one bit about the deer. You were just, hey, I gotta, I gotta impress this guy so I can date his daughter. <laughs> I had, I had my eyes on the prize, Dan. Eyes <laughs> well, it, it sounds like it worked. It did. It did. I got a wife out of the deal. Nice. So. Nice. <laughs> so you, get, you, you started bow hunting, you got a wife and then, yep. But then at some point you had to transition. I mean, yeah, you, you, you were, you started bow hunting because, you know, you were involved in, in, uh, somebody else, you know, with somebody else, you know, with your father-in-law. But for, for me, I, I always, every time I have one of these hunter profiles, I, I try to find the time when, and it, I think it runs true more with bow hunters than with any other kind of hunter. Maybe, maybe not. This is just an assumption for me. Yes. When it, it it goes beyond being a bow hunter, it, 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 there's a, there's a certain time when it happens. Like for me, I can, I can tell you exactly when it was, mine was in 2006. I was sitting in a, on a ridge. I can tell you the exact time and day, almost the the scenario, the tree stand I was sitting in where I fell in love with it. And I said to myself, I'm going to do this every year for the rest of my life. Yeah, I can, I, I can tell you the, I can tell you the same story and I'll, and I'll make it quick, but it was, you know, it was that same, that same fall that I had met my father-in-law. I'd gone with him a couple of times and been unsuccessful. And so I decided I was going to go back to where I rifle hunted because I, I, I was enjoying it. I was enjoying it because I, I loved, I loved to deer hunt, but I, I didn't know how to bow hunt. And so, it, you know, so going with him, I, I kind of learned a few things and I thought, okay, well, I can take what I know from, from rifle hunting and take what little bit I know from my father-in-law and I'm going to go out and I'm going to, I'm going to go sit in a tree stand and I'm going to try to get this done. And I remember it was, it was the, it was about this time of the year. And I had, I was, I brought my climber out. I climbed up in a tree and I was sitting there and I heard something walking behind me and I turned around and there was a, you know, a a Southern Missouri, a Southern Missouri six point. And (laughs) which, you know, it wasn't a giant, but man, it was, 
it, it might as well have been. It looked, it looked beautiful. And it came in right under me. And I remember I reaching for my bow. And as I reached for my bow, I started to stand up. And when I, when I started to stand up, I couldn't stand up because my legs were shaking so hard. And, and I'm, my, my tr- the, the base of my tree stand starts going, da, 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 you know, against the tree. <laughs> and, I'm, and, I'm, and I'm like, what is wrong? I mean, I thought something was wrong with me. <laughs> I mean, I really did. I didn't, know, I didn't know what this was. I've never had that adrenaline rush in my life. And I, I had played football. It's always been in sports. Even whenever I killed my first deer, it was, I, I didn't even know what it was until I was talking to someone who had been hunting a long time and I was telling them, what I was feeling, I like, dude, that's adrenaline. And I was like, that's what that is. Oh my gosh. That's a, that's incredible. But long story short, I finally did get stood up and I drew back on this deer and, you know, and I can't, I mean, I, I can't settle the pin, my arm shaking, my every extremity. I, I feel like I can't control it. And I, and I did one of those, you know, just punch the trigger and pray. And the arrow shot about a foot over the deer's back and it ran off down the hill. And, and I sat back down. I sat back down like, you know, you know how it is whenever you shoot a buck and you sit down and then you start shaking. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. This, this is happening the entire time. And right. I sit back down and I'm having these thoughts like this feeling is incredible. I love this feeling. And, and then I had the thought, if I get another opportunity, I've got to control this. And yeah. no more did I say that. And another, another small buck started coming right up the coming down the ridge the other way and i and it was just like it was like god gave me a second chance and i said okay i've got to control myself here and i did it and i i controlled my i mean i i I controlled my breathing i drew back i settled the pin i remember i took the time i settled the pin i squeezed it off and i watched the arrow just bury right behind the shoulder and it stuck on the offside and i watched the deer run down through the woods and I, and I heard him crash and then the adrenaline started all over again. And, and I said, and that's, and I, that was my moment, Dan, when I said, this will be a part of my life forever. Guarantee it. This, yeah. this I will never not bow hunt. And yeah. so that was my, that's, that was my aha moment. As they say. So, so that was when you really knew it, you really got hooked and, and then from that, that, you know, then there's a period of time from there to here we are today, you know, there's a yep. big gap, but every season, you know, the life, you know, your, your passion is bow hunting and, and the outdoors. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So, you know, being, being passionate about something and then being good at something or, or, or two different things. Right. Right. Uh, there was a period of time when I was really passionate about baseball. Right. I, I used to follow the statistics and, and watch a lot of the games and, um, even played a little bit, but never, but you know, these days I couldn't even tell you if it wasn't for catching the news, I, yeah. I, I wouldn't even, I couldn't tell you who's in the world series tonight, uh-huh. but but I guess the point I'm trying to make is when did you start educating yourself on how, how to become a better bow hunter as opposed to just a bow hunter? Yeah. I, you know, I, I would say for me, it all hit at the same time because that, that's how I am. You know, we were talking before the, before our conversation that I'm, I'm very type a and yeah. in my personality. And so 
I can't, it is not in me to do anything halfway. I mean, if, if I'm going to do something, I'm going to fully commit and do it to the very best of my ability, or I will not do it at all. And that's, so I'm, I'm a little bit obsessive like that. And that's, um, that's how I approached deer hunting. And I was from that moment on, from when I started bow hunting and like really got into it, I was, uh, I was subscribing to North American whitetail to, uh, uh, deer and deer hunting. And I was getting the DVDs, you know, uh, uh, primetime bucks and monster bucks and all these things that, that I could, that I could learn from. And then I, uh, I stumbled across the, uh, Drury outdoors DVDs. And I, I, I ate those up because, you know, for me, that was the first like informative DVDs that I came across. This is why we're doing things. And, and so I, I just really became a sponge of any information that I could, that I could garner, that I could find about deer hunting. And so I just started taking it all in and just getting as much information as I could and then working to apply that to my hunting scenarios. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, and then, and then we, we run into that progression, right? Where your, your, your goals change every year, right? When you were, when you were 21, 22, what, what were your goals when you were back then? I'm going to kill as many deer as I can. And, okay. and that's true. my, when I was, when I was, whenever I started big time, I guess I was 21. It was the fall before, uh, we got married. Um, so I was 21 ish somewhere in there. And that was the first year that Missouri went to unlimited doe tags. And so I killed nine, I killed one buck and eight does that first year. And just went, I mean, went nuts that there was nothing safe. <laughs> if a doe right. came by, I was going to, I was going to whack her. And, uh, and that's, that was my goal, man. I wanted, you know, we, we love deer meat. My whole family does. So we, we always had a, a, a full freezer, but those first couple of years, man, I was just like, I'm going to whack every doe that I can. And I did a pretty good job of it back then. Okay. So, you know, and and that's one thing that you know in a progression i think some guys overlook is just being able to kill a deer yeah right um because you know when people go to hey i only want to kill bucks they Mm -hmm. see a big rat come through the woods they get that buck fever yeah and you know um you know like when uh when you win a championship or or lose a championship everybody's you know act like you've been there before act like you've been there before so you you run into a scenario where you're not comfortable killing a deer yet because you haven't killed that many deer yet. That's so right. you took you took care of that yeah. uh in your early yeah. years. When <laughs> when did you start when when was that next transition that that period where it's just like okay, I want to I not only want to kill some does, but I want to kill a little bit bigger of a buck. Yep. Yep. I would say it was probably the third year of, of hunting, my third year of bow hunting. Um, you know, I, I had a rifle hunted all that time, but, um, the third, my third year of, of bow hunting is whenever I said, okay, I'm not going to shoot. I'm not going to shoot any buck unless, um, unless I'm like, unless it makes me have that feeling that that six point did that I missed, you know, that was kind of my, I wanted that again. You know, I mean, I, I still get, I mean, I still get jacked up whenever I shoot a doe even. I mean, I, I just enjoy that, but I wanted that. I wanted that adrenaline surge. And and I said, okay, I'm I'm not going to shoot a buck unless my heart starts pounding. And um, 
and that was kind of my, my next, my next barometer. I mean, I still killed a few does. Um, I, I didn't feel like I needed to kill every doe that came by. I just, you know, wanted to get my freezer full and now I'm just going to hunt for a, for a buck that makes my heart beat. And, and so that's, um, that I would say, yeah, probably around 24 is, is whenever, um, when I really made that transition and that year I killed, uh, I killed a, uh, a 10 point, a, a Southern Missouri 10 point that, that scored right at 120, right at Pope and Tongue. I think just shy, but I think it was like 124 and six eights. And, um, but man, it, it, he jumped out of a, after I did a rattling sequence, I mean, it looked just like it does did on the, on the video. I, I rattled and it, it came running in and it walked across the food plot I had in front of me, gave me a 12 yard shot. And, um, and I, I got that feeling again. Like I, I, my, my whole, my whole stand was rattling because I was shaking so hard. And I said, yes, this, this is what I wanted again. And, and then it just grew from there. Okay. So then did you, you know, did you stair step the next couple, you know, the next handful of years? I mean, did you decide, okay, well, I shot a 125 last year. This year I need to do something different. I need to go bigger. Yeah, well, I think just like we hear a lot, you know, you, you want to you set your goals based on your area. And yeah. I knew for my area, 125 in, in southwest Missouri, now there's some – there are there's some really good hunting in southwest Missouri. I mean, there, there really is, but it's not everywhere. And for the land that I hunted, you know, and this was still, golly, 12 years ago or, you know, 10, 12 years ago. And so not, I, you know, the, the, the management mind wasn't as prevalent as it is now. And, you know, you know, passing deer was not something that everybody was doing. Not everybody was, was trying to grow more mature deer. And the reality was, if if you saw a 125, 130-inch deer, there's a really good chance that would be the only one that you saw each year. And yeah. so for the next couple of years, then that was kind of the bar, I would say. Um, that was kind of the bar that I, I was like, man, if it's if it's right in that range, I mean, 125 or better, I, I better shoot it. And, and that was probably the next three years until I was, golly, man. I'm getting so old now, <laughs> but you know, I would say for the next probably two or three years until I went to Illinois for the first time. And that was in 2009 that, okay. yeah, 2009 was my first trip to Illinois. And that's whenever I made the transition from, um, 125 inch deer to, I no longer want to shoot 125 inch deer. I want to shoot mature deer i i want to shoot four and a half year old deer and older because you know I, by that time i'd been seeing the breweries do it watching their videos and and i said that is a that's a realistic goal i might not be able to kill a a 160 in southwest missouri but i can hunt for mature deer that i can do and and yeah. i took that with illinois i uh, i was i was filming for a, a tv show and i went and hunted with a with an outfitter there for the show and, uh, and that's, and it's like, you know, they were hunting for mature deer and I loved it. And I was fortunate on that hunt to, uh, to, to kill a, a really nice, uh, four-year-old deer up there. So nice. that's, that was that next progression for me in two, 2009. So that not only opened you up from a, you know, you're hunting in 
you're hunting in, I guess, what I would consider a regular part of the United States when right. it comes to whitetail, because there's a lot of places to hunt whitetail in the United States. Yep. But then you make that trip to to one of the the Holy Grail, right? The mecca right. of yep. deer hunting at the time was yep. Illinois, right? Everybody wanted to go hunt Illinois. Everybody wanted to lease land or or find some public or get some yep. permission or whatever in in Illinois. What did what did that first trip to a quote unquote big buck state teach you or show you? It was a, it honestly was a dream come true. Um, just, just another incredible blessing, uh, from the Lord. Um, cause I, I had told my wife ever since we got married, she would always ask me, well, what do you want for Christmas? And I'd say a whitetail, a whitetail hunt in Pike County. And, <laughs> and, you know, it's kind of an ongoing joke. And then I have this opportunity to go. And so we went there and the, it was first off the, the lay of the, the landscape was totally different and I, I grew up in in southwest Missouri it's cattle farm you know it's, so it's yeah. all pastures and you know big real big blocks of timber with pastures not many crops at all I mean the crop field is the is the rarity there so being in true farm country I thought that just that in itself was just such a cool experience um and, and you know and hunting in it and then seeing seeing more bucks in three days of hunting or two days of hunting than I would see an entire season of bow hunting. And then let alone seeing multiple deer that were over 125 inches and then passing deer that were over, that was the first time I ever passed a deer that was over 125 inches. And I remember thinking, this is a really dumb decision. <laughs> I, I, I feel like I need to shoot this three-year-old, but I'm not going to. So I had to practice restraint. And so it was totally, I mean, it was, a, it was an eye-opening experience. It was one of those things like that I realized, wow, there really is, there's something better than what I've experienced in the past. And I'm, I'm right in the middle of it here. So it was a really, really cool thing. No, this, I was a, I was a teacher. I was a, this point at this point so i was a teacher and then now i was a i was a, actually a missionary my wife and i were missionaries with a, a missions organization called ywam and so we we were traveling all over the world um with the 14 different countries and i traveled with a group called team extreme and what we would do is we would break bricks rip phone books flip over cars and you know just break stuff and tell people about jesus and it was awesome and <laughs> and so that's what I was doing, you know, full time traveling all over the place. And, uh, and I got to take a break from my travels and go to Illinois and hunt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, and just on a side note, I, I kind of, I've gone a different path. I mean, my, my degree is in business, uh, business, admin, a business admin degree. And, um, you know, and, and, uh, and then I was a missionary and, you know, and the Lord just had a way of, of working things out. And now, uh, I, so I, I didn't go the traditional seminary route to, uh, to, to become a pastor. My mind is more of a, uh, a, a curve in the road to, to get to where God has called me rather than that, that straight shot, but it's, but it's worked out really well. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. 
Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I would have loved to live in Illinois, but I, I just wanted to, I, I just wanted to be able to at least hunt there every year or, or hunt somewhere in the, the, the good part of the Midwest. And, um, so that was my goal from that. And I actually got to hunt in that same, uh, same with that same outfitter for the next four years. And I killed, I killed a, like I said, that the first year killed a really, really, uh, really pretty tall 10 point. And then the next year, 2010 killed a, a big mature, another big mature 10 point. And, um, and then the last two years, I mean, it was just st- still good hunting, but just didn't work out, you know, hot weather and just that just things didn't come together. But, um, but then by that time I had, I, I had was getting ready to move to Iowa. And so now, now I had reached, I, I was fixing to, to step into the promised land <laughs> you know, where, where every real deer hunter wants to live. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I was, I was praying, you know, just like, okay, Lord, we know where, where would you have us go? And, um, and there was a, a, a church in Omaha, Nebraska. And so, so we went to, we, we took that, that church in Omaha. And so we moved to Omaha, couldn't find anywhere in Iowa to live when we first moved. So we spent the first 18 months um, in Nebraska on the Nebraska side of the river. And, you know, when I was hunting in Nebraska and, and literally there's some of the properties I was hunting in Nebraska, I would sit in the tree line with the river right beside me, looking across the river into Iowa. And I, and I, I, I literally, I was like, I know how Moses feels sitting on the, on the other side of the promise line just wishing you could be there. And so whenever our lease uh, came up on the house we were living in, um, we said, I said, okay, honey, let's, let's really try to find somewhere in Iowa. And cause you know, Omaha is on the very East side of Nebraska and, and then the river splits it and, you know, yeah, you know, you're from, so council bluffs. So we were like, okay, well, council bluffs is right over here. And we ended up finding um, uh, a place to, to rent before we bought a house in a, in a town called Trainer. Are, are you familiar with Trainer? Yeah, it's, it's just outside of Council Bluffs, like just southeast of Council Bluffs, off of 92. And um, so, so that's where we ended up. Uh, that's where we ended up moving to, just Trainer, Iowa. And I would make the 25-minute drive to my church every day um, to work, but but that got me into Iowa. So. I, I wasn't looking for a church in that area, but I was really thankful that the Lord put us in one because <laughs> it worked out really well when we got to Iowa. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's very true. It really is. And I, and I still hunted, um, most of my hunting was in my, the, the serious hunting that I do or I did was in, and I, and I will do this year because I'm, I'm thankfully still, still an Iowa resident for this year. So I get one more year because we moved in August. So I've been here for, I've lived in Iowa for the six months that I needed to, but, um, 
uh, most of my hunting, the serious hunting that I did was in, is in zone four. So in the, the Taylor County area. And so it's, uh, that, that's, that's, that's pretty, pretty good stuff down there. But yeah, but even in, even in zone three around Pot County and, uh, in Fremont, I mean, there's, there's, there's good hunting and, and there's always, there's always good deer in, you know, living here, um, that's kind of what I try to, I mean, cause the guys now that we're in Southern Illinois and there's a lot of deer here, but they're like, well, what's, what is it about Iowa? And, and I you know, and, and I don't know if this is your experience, but from what I've experienced in Iowa, it's like, there's all, there's never in the, in the four years that, and now the, the fifth year that I've hunted Iowa, there's never been a property that I've gone to that I do not have a very legitimate chance of killing a 165 or better. And it's, it's just incredible. I mean, it's, it's a whole nother world. So I, I was happy to live there. Oh my, oh, that's right. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm hmm. Absolutely. Mm. <laughs> yep. 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 Yeah, Iowa. He's nine, right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's a, that, that's a, it's a good, you know, and it's funny because that's a very real question because I promise you, I, I, I thought about that before I had kids. I was like, I don't know if I want to give up my hunting time if I have kids <laughs> so, they can, so they can hunt. But when you have kids and, and you know, it's like you, you do anything for them. And so like for, as a, as a dad, I, you know, like w w when my dad would tell me, man, I, I want to see you succeed more than I've ever succeeded. I told, I, I didn't get that when I was a kid, but now that I'm a dad, you know, that's, that should, that should be the goal of every father, right. To, in, in, in whatever it is to, to do whatever we can do to see our kids be successful. I mean, like where, where our ceiling becomes their floor. And so 
so for me, when my kids, when my boy, my older two, whenever they were starting to show interest in being in the outdoors, like that was just like, this is amazing. Now I get to not only do what I love, but do it with, with, with who I love more than anything in this world. And, you know, how, how cool is that? That as a father, I get to share that with my kids. And so for me, it, it's never felt like a sacrifice to, to make time for my boys to hunt. And, and granted that they're not super into it. I mean, they're still, they're still young. Um, you know, so like a couple of days a year is good for them. But, but I look forward more forward to those days than, than any day that I get to do for myself. So, yeah. So when it comes to that time, you're going to be so, so ready to, that you. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and, and for us so far, it's it's mainly been turkey hunting because I want um, I, I want my boys to to have the most fun that they can have, and you know, and that's and you know how it is. I mean, a good turkey hunting there's there's not many more there's not many more opportunities in the outdoors that allow so much engagement with the animals, and you know, and and they just love it. And like my my middle son. He killed his first turkey when he was five, and uh, we got it all on video. It's on. Uh, uh, and I, I filmed for uh, Final Descent Outdoors, and so it's it's been on the the Pursuit Channel, and it's online and everything. And and I would encourage you, you to check it out, man. His reaction is amazing. It makes me cry every time I see it. But you know, he's five years old, and he, I mean, he just absolutely just slams this bird right in the face, and it was a, a pitch perfect hunt. And the bird came 300 yards in, strutting the whole way, circled the decoys, and he pounded him. And, um, you know, and he was hooked. He couldn't wait for the next year. And then my uh, – so he, he's killed a bird the last three years. And so he's he's 100%. And, and he's always killed the first morning he's been out. So he hasn't even had to hunt hard. <laughs> Where, like, I, I, eventually, he's going to realize that it's not like this, not this easy all the time. But uh, – and my oldest son, he's he's killed one the last two years. And, uh, and they've, they've gone deer hunting with me a few times. My, my middle one, he's my real outdoor guy. I mean, he's, when I'm checking cameras, when I'm putting up stands, he just wants to be right there. And, um, and he went out and sat with me last year, uh, when I was bow hunting and, um, you know, when we had some deer come in and, and he was, he was trying to talk me into shooting everything that came by. And, but, you know, so it was, you know, it, that was cool too. But, you know, I think the big thing is, and, and it's been said before, and I can't, I can't even say how important it is, but just listen to your kids. I mean, if, if they want to do it, they're going to do it. And if they don't want to do it, man, I, I, I don't want to, I don't want to make them do something that I love just because I want to do it because I feel like that could be a way to make them not enjoy it. And so as long as they want to go, I'm going to take them and I'm not going to force it on them, but you know, it's, it's all good though. Right. 
Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and it was it was it was really the the same the same type of experience for both of them. Um, Cause it was actually my middle son who killed one first. He, he killed one the year before his older brother did at five. But, but man, that first Turkey that Trig killed, um, I just, I mean, golly, to, you can't even put it in words. I mean, just how, how proud and excited I was and, and just to, um, and his reaction, man, his reaction, whenever he shot and, and he just, he goes, and my, my father-in-law was filming it. And, um, and so that was kind of a special moment also. So we had grandpa in the blind also, and he's filmed a couple of Triggs kills now. And, and he shoots that bird and it just goes to flopping. And Triggs first thing he says, he turns to the camera and says, I killed him, Papa. I killed him. And then he, you know, you know, I'm saying Trig, yes, yes. And he, he turns around and says, I love you, dad. And, you know, we just had that that big hug in the moment. It was just amazing. I mean, amazing. And it was the same way with my oldest Titus whenever he killed his. And um, there's just, it's just such a cool, you know, having kids, you, those, those, those times whenever you have those first experiences with them, it's like that's with you forever. The first steps kids take the first time they say dad at, those first times that you have with your kids. I mean, those are the things that when I'm 80 years old, I'm going to be able to tell my grandkids. I remember when your dad was sitting on my knee in that Turkey blind and, you know, it's just like, I'm going to have that forever. And, you know, I mean, I, I have it on film, but man, I have it in my mind. I have it in my heart. And, and so just even talking about it, it takes me right back to that place. And there's, man, there's nothing no big buck I've ever killed <laughs> even compares to the times that I've had hunting with my boys and experiencing their first with them. It's, it's just amazing. And I, I look forward to that for you, man, because it, it's amazing. Yeah. Awesome. That's awesome. Mm Yeah. 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 Buddy.
Yeah, man, that's a, that's a, that's a great question. And, and I think that anyone who is an avid outdoorsman, whether it's a hunter or just an outdoorsman period, we, that's one place we can all connect on, right? It's just the, the reality of being in nature and, and hearing, you know, seeing, seeing the world come alive whenever the, the red sun is coming up in the east and, and you know, the, the sky is turning that pinkish red color. And, you know, it's just amazing. For me, I mean, it's, it, it I, I sit out there and I see this and, you know, and for me, you know, and, and for a lot of us too, I mean, I, I've heard people, you know, a lot of people who, who never have, have never donned the foot of a church and they'll say, that's a, that's, that's a spiritual thing because we, we realize in those moments that, wow, I'm, I'm witnessing, I'm witnessing something that only God could do and make this incredible, this incredible thing that we get to experience. And then, and then it comes back to a deeper level to know that, that he made it for us. And, you know, and for me, that's, that's amazing to think that, you know, the, I mean, the Bible says that, that God created everything. And when he was done, he said, it is good. And then he created man. And he says that he's given us authority to steward what he's created. And so, so, so now we, we get to, we get to partner with him in stewarding the very thing that he made. And, you know, it's just, a, it's an amazing thing. And for me, and just like all of us, you hit it on the head and um, there's so much stuff in life that, that happens and being outside, being in the woods, it just, it's a time where I get, I, I, I get rejuvenated and it's, and that, that's where I go. If I need to be filled up, if I need to, to just catch my breath, I go sit in a tree stand and it's all good. I, I, I turn my phone on silent and I just sit back and enjoy what God has done. And whether I kill anything or not, it, it, if I'm out there, it's a good night. Yeah, buddy. Thanks, man. You too, Dan. I look forward to keep following you and hearing hearing the uh, the tales of your season. And uh, I hope for for your sake and your wife's sake and the the sake of your relationship and and mine as well. I hope we kill early and we don't have to a whole lot of days doing. <laughs> yeah, I, I heard, you know, you and Mark, you know, we're talking, you know, would you rather, would you rather kill on the first day or on the 10th day at the last hour? What's more enjoyable? I can say for, for the sake of my marriage, the first 30 minutes of the first day would be perfect. And <laughs> it's good. No, but good luck, Dan. Thanks so much for, for letting me come on and hang out with you. And there you have it. Huge shout out to TW for taking time to come on the podcast and chat with us today. Huge shout out to each and every one of you. Hopefully you guys have um, an awesome holiday. I know that I personally have a lot to be thankful for. I know you guys do as well. And again, just remember that family comes first, even over deer hunting, as much as we love deer hunting. So uh, just something to think about. Other than that, guys, 
Man, huge shout out to all of the partners of this podcast. Wasp, Ozonix, Deer Lab, Exodus, Lone Wolf, Gearhead, Ripcord, and Bighorn Outfitters. Guys, Christmas is just around the corner. And whether uh, you're going to buy Christmas presents for a friend, a father, you know, a girlfriend, a wife, whatever, tell your wife what you want and she'll go get it for you or whatever and uh, be sure to think of the partners of this podcast and tell them about the discount codes that they can they can use to purchase uh, the products that are that help uh, promote this uh, you know that help support this podcast so I'll say them again Wasp, Ozonix, Deer Lab, Exodus, Lone Wolf, Ripcord, Bighorn Outfitters, Deer Lab all right guys if you're going to be out in the woods please, with the family, please be safe. Wear your safety harness. And I'm going to say that one more time because I read an article the other day that in the United States, there has been nine fatalities so far that these people did some research. Nine so far. I'm sure that's probably more of people who have died because they thought they were too cool for a safety harness. So, and it's not about them. It's about their families as well. So the next time you think about, uh, you know, maybe leaving your tree stand in the area, uh, your, your safety harness in the truck, and you don't want to go back and get it, or you forget it at home, or you maybe just don't have one, think of your family. Think of your children. Think of your wife. And what good would you be if you were either in a wheelchair or not there at all? think of the struggle that that would put them through just something to think about don't want to go debbie downer on everybody also visit uh, the sportsman's nation on instagram and facebook visit the nine finger chronicles on instagram and facebook and all of the other uh podcasts that are on on the sportsman's nation land and legacy DIY Sportsman, Transition Wild. Go to iTunes, leave a review on the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network. Tell your friends, let's get the ball rolling on this. Conservation efforts, National Deer Alliance, Quality Deer Management Association. Conservation, conservation, conservation. I'm going off. I'm going crazy. Guys, have a good holiday weekend. Spend that time with your family. And if you're going to be in a tree, wear your damn safety harness.